0: 1 Peter 1, and let's look at uh, here verses, we'll read verses 1 through 9, and I am not going to try to break down uh, all these verses tonight, but I'll try to give you a, a, a feel for them, and the theme is just dealing with heaviness, dealing with heaviness. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, we'll read verses 1 through 9, 1 Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again, Ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations. At the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. How many of you? Um, how many of you like to wear? You want to. You want to. You, you look for an excuse to wear a jacket. Anybody? Oh yeah. You know, it's like this is rare, right? You look for an excuse to wear a jacket. Oh, it's a little cold. Let's get my new jacket on. You know. And uh, sometimes it's raining or it's sprinkling, and a lot of. T- you know, a lot of times our rain, except maybe the last month or so, a lot of times our rain is not cold around here. It's raining. My kids are like, I need a jacket. It's raining. I'm like, why? It's, I mean, you need it to cool you off, you know, the rain. But they want to have an excuse to put a jacket on, you know. And sometimes, you know, it's nice to um, to have maybe something new to wear, you know. I, I usually don't wear a jacket as a pastor except, I don't know, four months or so off and on because and, it looks foolish, I'm not being I'm being honest. Why am I wearing a jacket in the summertime and it's hundred and ten, except to make project a formality? And I don't want to project a formality like that. Just like okay, I'll be kind of practical here. it look decent, but all right. Uh, you know, when you're playing a sport, um, you play football, you get a lot of pads. anybody ever played tackle football and have the wear to the pads? Anybody? So if you play tackle football, you start putting on these pads and we, you know, you got these and these and these, I don't know, they've changed them. When I was a kid, you had a knee pad, you had the quadricep pad, you had the hip pad, uh, I think a tailbone one, and then you had your shoulder pads and your helmet. And you put that on, you're going like this is a kid. All right, let's play Pop corner, coach! You know, you're walking around like that. And then you get used to it, you know, and you learn mobility with your pads on. And nowadays, a lot of the pads of are streamlined and you know they made them lighter but stronger and uh, a lot of the NFL I look at you look at a typical NFL team you look at a the form of a, a typical NFL player and then look at the form of him in 1982 his shoulders were like that wide in 1982 and they streamlined it now it's a little smaller lighter but still durable you know what they want they want to lighten up a little bit it's not fun having too much on wearing a lot of stuff if it's weighing you down and that's what Peter refers to today. He refers to, in this passage, heaviness, being heavy with things. Now, this kind of heaviness is the idea of a sorrow that weighs on you. If you do a word study on the word, even just as it's translated, the English word heavy, heaviness, it, 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 it's it, most of the time, it's, it's talking about an emotional weight that's on you, and the descriptions are where the soul melteth for heaviness, the psalmist says. Where the heart stoops for heaviness. Where, as psalmist says, I've been reproached, shame and reproach hath uh, been uh, aimed at me and I'm heavy with it. And I, one of the psalmists says, I'm heavy, Lord, and there's none to take pity on me. If somebody, you know, sometimes it just lightens, you know that, sometimes it's just you can feel a little lighter. If somebody just shows a little bit of attention to you it lightens it up even if they can't do anything a little bit of pity there's nothing wrong with having pity and receiving pity and uh the psalmist found himself with none and it was heavy nobody to relate to nobody to talk to at all and uh he was heavy um here peter brings up the idea of heaviness what might cause heaviness on somebody what might cause again more of the emotional mental heaviness what might be causes for that? Well, if we were to just answer that word, answer that question with the bible here's just a, here's five uh, as it's used. Ezra spoke about uh, the he- being in heaviness because of the sin of his people Ezra nine five very heavy about it. People had sinned, people had intermarried and Ezra and Nehemiah they were happy about it they were upset in fact, Ezra plucked off his beard, plucked some of his beard, and tore his Rent his garment because he was heavy about the fact that they came back out of captivity in the land and their people are intermarrying. Ooh, that's no way. That's a way to get, do a U-turn back to uh, captivity again because they are compromising themselves. He was ha- sin in in somebody else's life that you see that they're dealing with it can make you heavy if you can't do anything about it. And sin that I that I that I indulge in sometimes there's pleasure in it, but sometimes it can make me heavy. What else can cause? Heaviness, severe trials. We see that in Job 9.27. Job talks about what he was going through as heavy, which almost seems like an understatement, if you realize what he went through. Lost all the possessions. He was incredibly rich, lost everything. Lost all of his kids, I think it's 10 or something. How many kids he you have like that? And then his wife was just distraught and said, curse God and die. That's the last thing you want to hear from your wife. And then that second chapter... Now Satan goes out his body, and he's got boils. And then his friends come along and try to help him. they end up being miserable counselors. And he's like, I'm heavy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But we've heard of the patience of Job, and how he endured, and how that God is good and of tender mercies. And God blessed Job and doubled him at the end of his life. But he endured. He found a way to endure the heaviness. Communicating with God was part of it. What else will make you heavy? It's... The psalmist says, "Being persecuted," Psalm sixty nine twenty. Being persecuted, well, you know, it's not fun. You know, there's moments in the Book of Acts where they, they got persecuted and they're like, "Yes, we're counted worthy to suffer shame for His name." But you know, daily, daily going through persecution, it weighs on you. If somebody if somebody calls you names daily and says bad things about you, it'll weigh on you. You know what else? According, what are causes of foolish of of of, of heaviness? the fourth one in Proverbs 10.1 would be the foolishness of a child that a parent sees. There's a proverb that says, you know, uh, the, the foolishness, let me just read it correctly, Proverbs 10.1, it says here that um, a wise son maketh a glad father, but, contrary, a foolish son is the heaviness of his mother. You know, it, it does, and it applies to fathers too. When your kids start doing stuff that's foolish, even if it's a momentary moment of foolishness, you're like, it makes you heavy. And if there's long-term track record of foolishness, that makes you heavy. The heaviness of a parent, and particularly it says a mother. What What else might be a cause of heaviness? The lost. When you think about lost people, Paul said in Romans 9, 2, brethren, my heart's desire and prayer for God to Israel is that they might be saved. For I wish, he basically says, I have great heaviness in my heart for my brethren, and my kinsmen according to the flesh because they're lost he's thinking there's thousands of them that are lost I'm really heavy about that that was enough to break hearts if you start thinking about how many people are lost and need to be saved and then there's only so much I can do about it I'm only a man Weighs on you but what is this text what can we learn right here from Peter we read verses what can we learn from Peter about heaviness I want to just go through some, some of them I'll go through quickly. Number one, in heaviness, one can still experience a sincere element of rejoicing. I think that's probably one of his biggest points. In heaviness, one can still experience, and this isn't fake, made up, but one can still experience an element of rejoicing. Notice what he says. How does verse 6 start? Wherein ye greatly rejoice... And then he goes on to talk about how there's a trial of their faith and they're in heaviness. But wait a minute, it starts out by saying, wherein ye greatly rejoice. You know the word wherein is referring to? Something he just said. What did he talk about? Whatever he talked about was something that made them rejoice even though they were heavy. Well, What did he talk about that would bring forth rejoicing even though they were heavy? (laughs) Verse 2, the fact that they're elect according to the foreknowledge of God. They are God's own. They belong to the Lord. The fact that they are, look what it says in verse 3, begotten unto a lively hope. That's worth rejoicing over. The fact that it says in verse 4 that they have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. You know, some of our most uh, conservatively invested uh, stocks and all that stuff, it's still not, it's not totally secure. No bank is 100% secure. No investment is 100% secure. And now we're thinking, boy, I, I believe you now more and more as politics are getting weird. And But the Bible says we have an inheritance and undefiled. defiled. That's cause for me to rejoice. Uh, verse 5, who are kept by the power of God. That wherein I can rejoice in that, it just we just saying. What are we saying? He's going to hold me fast. He's holding my my salvation intact. I have nothing to say about that except I accepted him, and now it's done. He's holding me there, and as I am walking with him, he holds me in life. But what does it say? You're kept by the power of God. And then he says, verse 6, wherein, referring back to all those things that you, we have lavishly upon us, we he great, you greatly rejoice. So when we think about heaviness, whatever it is, um, there, there's possible to have an element of rejoicing. I've had times in my life where I was really sad and mourning, but there was a, another side of me that was really happy, though I didn't be able to just say it, I could cry through, I could be have tears of joy. And I could be very thankful that I still have family or that I' still saved and I know I'm still a child of God. In other words, wherein I was, even though I was heavy, I was able to still greatly rejoice, and, and, uh, and that was probably just the kindergarten class compared to what these people are going through. But it's, do you see that it's possible? Number two. Number two, another thought we can see that Peter's teaching us that the dial, the dial on heaviness is under God's control. And I, and I infer that from this next phrase, verse 6. Though now for a season, if need be, you're in heaviness through manifold temptations. It's so kind of mysterious on how that's sat here. So he says, you greatly rejoice, although he acknowledges, now for a season, if need be. He, first he acknowledges that in a se- it seems that they're in a season of heaviness. If need be, what does that refer to? Well, God knows the need be of that or not. Season Long season, every other season, he's saying that God has the dial on this thing, and uh, there are seasons of heaviness, aren't there? There are seasons in the year. We're in the middle of winter. We think we know what that is. Seen snow before on these mountains, and then there's spring, and then there's summer from about March. Did I say those spring? There's two weeks of spring, then summer from about March through October. You know, there's seasons. Okay, well, God's telling us here there can be seasons of heaviness. So number two, the dial of heaviness is under God's control. What else is Peter teaching us? Number three, that heaviness comes out after an accumulation of tests. Look what it says. Verse six, you're in heaviness, what? Because you tripped one time. You're in heaviness because, man, you just had one bad day. No, it's a multiplicity of things. You're in heaviness through manifold temptations. It's building up. It's an accumulation. How many of us went through college and we did not like the finals week? We did, but we didn't. All right, why? It's like... All right, finals for this, finals for this, finals for this. Oh, and that last, that term paper too. Boom, 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 manifold temptations. The word temptations is the testing. You had, a lot of college students, you know, they get in that heavy season. (laughs) I hear it from my kids sometimes. Well, it's really Susie. She's more vocal. She'll come downstairs. "Uh, uh, I got to, I got to take this test of, I got to take my final one. And she'll name some class. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Susie. You know, I wish I could help you, but that would be cheating, unless you want me to hold a paper and, you know, quiz you on something. But, you know, she gets heavy (laughs) through some of her classes, particularly when there's a turn paper due or uh, the finals. Well, that happens. Um, Sometimes, as we mentioned tonight, sometimes things accumulate. I remember even visiting with Mrs. Flannery a few years ago. She's like, Pastor, it's like one thing after another. She had a cat issue. She loved her cats. Then she gets cancer. She gets through the cancer. Then she gets a different cancer. Then she thought, I don't know if there was a hip or a knee thing she went through one time. And and she wasn't like saying, I'm a victim or woe is me. She's like, Boy, it's just another thing. I'm just keep praying to the good Lord. Yeah. She said. You know, He's gonna get me through this one. And then, you know, she was describing. Layers of it. And, and that happens to us, doesn't it? It does. And uh, Peter acknowledges it. Number four, what about heaviness? A few more points here. Heaviness is essentially, is basically testing one's faith. That's what it's doing. Notice what he says now. He rephrases verse 7. He rephrases it as the trial of your faith. What is he saying? He's redescribing what he said in the previous verse. Heaviness through manifold temptations is essentially... Uh, the trial of your faith. That is the testing of my trust. The trial of your faith. So the testing of my faith. Maybe, you know, God, in a sense, we say, okay, it's kind of like this. If I look at that chair, um, the maker of that, I don't know who made that chair. Let's say the chair company made that chair they probably already know what it's rated for weight. And again, let's just be, you know, imaginative here. Say it can only take 500 pounds, and then it goes, you know, something starts to cave in. The maker already knows that. Uh, but then I, I could test it, and I would try to find out how much weight that could bear. And like, oh, I see now. So for us... God already knows what the nature of my faith and your faith. He already knows it. But sometimes He tests us so that we can see the nature of our faith. What was really motivating me? What was really keeping my character and uh, demeanor intact? Good times? Just enough sleep? Yeah. And that's what made me a good Christian? Or a little trial, and then another little trial, and then a big one? Then a little one, then another big one, and it's building up, and then my faith's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I'm bearing this here. And it's the trial of my trust. That is, how am I trusting God? Do I still trust God on a horrible way? How well do I trust Him? Is, is my character come undone? Doesn't mean we don't cry and we don't go, oh, this hurts or share with somebody. My dad, uh, as many of you know, worked at General Motors Desert Proving Grounds. It was their hot weather testing site that used to be in East Mesa. And one of the main things they did was test the endurance of vehicles for hot weather. Um, That is, how an engine and transmission wear uh, as they're very hot, uh, driving on a flat surface. I think my grandpa, my dad's father-in-law, I think he was part of testing some vehicles where they would haul stuff up to Payson, put a load and haul. So they're testing how it hauls uh, on an incline combined with a certain amount of heat. And then they test, They would test dashes. Remember, I don't know if remember, a lot of us would remember, 70s and 80s, a lot of the dashes would crack, you know? Well, they had all these like, um, what were they called, Dad? They were like glass panels that they put those <laughs> dashes Dynamometers. in. Dynamometers to test the gla- glass. So these glass cases, and they would put these uh, dashes in them. And they would put it, it simulated a, a windshield, just glass right? Facing, I think it was like this, facing the sun, and they'd just sit out there and see how long this uh, urethane or whatever composite of the dash would last. They want, they want them to last a long time. They're testing them. And then, all right, that one didn't last long. Let's change our formula here, Mr. Chemist, all right? And then they would do that. It probably did depend on the, the color and everything, but they tested them. What's going to happen when it gets heated up? And that's the same thing with us. You know, I don't, I, I don't know how my faith is, until I only know as far I only know how how the quality of it uh in the sense of up to the endurance of my last difficulty um, so here we Peter says he calls it a trial of your faith, it's a test of one's faith, number five, what else heaviness can be proven beneficial there's a lot so so that's the next observation, number five. Heaviness can be proven beneficial. Look what he says, seven through nine. He's like, whoa, look at all this description here. The trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth. Uh, it's showing where you're at, and it will help you improve. Though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. The only way to improve gold. To refine it, heat it up. You have gold, very valuable. Right, how can I make this gold better? Fire it up. The finding pot for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord tryeth the hearts. He tries my heart, and I want him. And, and I want to be like Job. All right, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And uh, when he's tried me, I'll come forth as gold, he says. And I want that. If he could say, that's one thing I'm glad about the book of Job, because you have a guy that was at the edge of what could be done, basically. And I don't know too many Christians that have went, that could be like, Job, I know exactly what you're going through. I don't know too many Christians that are like that. Maybe some that got close. But do you see that? Of all that he went through, and he tried, and the things he said, and how he endured. And you can see how he struggled. You're like, if he can do that, and trust God, and have his outcome, then I can too. Even though he couldn't sort it all out. All right. Heaviness can prove beneficial. It says, being much more precious than gold. Might be found unto praise. Verse 8. It talks about praise what? Praise of Jesus. You haven't seen him, but you love him. In whom though you now you see him not, yet believing You rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, that is, when He comes, the end of my faith, even the salvation of your souls. Isn't there a song that says, my faith shall become sight? It's in a sense, faith will end one day. Isn't that neat? We walk by faith, not by sight. And then uh, one day, faith ends. I'm going to pretty much see Him. (laughs) Well, there He is. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. I want to add a couple points here that are not right in the immediate text, but I think it would be important also, number six, that when we're going through heaviness, two more points here, we'll wrap this up. When we're going through heaviness, as I mentioned in testimonies, it's good to acknowledge it in another person. If you have a heaviness, that's fine. But acknowledge it in somebody else. Acknowledge it. Well, where does it say that in the Bible? Well, that's exactly what you have in 1 Peter. He writes to these Christians who are scattered abroad. It wasn't one church, it was a group of Christians scattered in the Asia Minor area. And uh, I believe it was Asia Minor, oh, it was maybe a couple of different areas. And he acknowledges, you guys are going through tough times. He does it several times in this book. Just sometimes by acknowledging it, it helps. If somebody does not you know, I don't know how else to describe this. Um, one of my kids, one of my kids, they, they, they still have this trait even. When they were very young, and they still are kind of like this, whenever they uh, bumped the head, you know, boom, bumped the head or tripped or stubbed the toe or got a little scratch, whenever they did that, uh, they didn't fall apart, but they would often come to me, uh, it, it often come to me, most of my kids do this, but one of them has been very consistent. Often come to me and says, I, I got this bump. I got this, you know, or I hurt my finger. And in, 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 in like, I don't know how many year, few years, a few years ago when they were younger, I'd be like, okay, okay, yeah. You know, and I'd you know, have all my kids around I'm trying to take care of everything. Yeah, yeah, you'll be fine. I don't see blood, you know. And, I, and it would be just like a quick, this little, okay, almost like whatever. i just take a glance, I don't see blood, it's fine. You know, I don't see anything gigantically swelling. Well, maybe I do. Hold on a second. You know, uh, but what I would do is I would just I would I would acknowledge it, but they wouldn't know that I was acknowledging it. So they would persist. Dad, Dad, look, my finger, look, you know, or it bruised it or whatever, and and they and they were they would persist until I said, you know what? And in my mind, I'm like, this is nothing. Yeah, let me see. Oh man, yeah, a little fingernail. I think it's going to be okay. Let me see. Oh, what happened? Johnny jumped on your finger and laughed. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I see that. I, is that right? Man, i I think you're gonna be okay. Okay. And you know what? That's it. And they go their way. And it was, and I realized after the, and there was a consistency. Most of my kids do this, but again, one of them is very consistent. And I realized I just need to acknowledge them. And it helps. It helps a lot. And I think that's what we got to do with each other. If somebody's hurting, you know, ask them. Say something. And last of all, bear what you can in another person's heaviness. Go at 1 Peter 1.22. 1 Peter 1.22, Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Love one another with a pure heart fervently. It doesn't say bear one another's burdens in those words. Galatians does say bear one another's burdens. But you know, Peter's writing to a group of people who are going through hard times and likely persecution. One of the last things you need when you're going through hard times is have fellow family where you're attacking each other and hurting each other. I expect the world to attack me. I expect the world to attack our Christianity. But what I don't expect is our Christianity to attack itself. And when, you're, when, the, when things are getting hard, you start biting and clawing at each other. Peter says, love one another with a pure heart fervently. And I think that would include bear one another's burdens. help Hold up somebody else's weight for a minute. And then they can hold up yours when they're ready. Um, bear, one, you one another, bear what you can in love for one another. Sometimes we can help... This church is typically, typically does this, I see. But we need to keep doing that. And so we just need to take a peek at this tonight and say, what is God's word saying to me? Maybe I need to acknowledge somebody else's. Maybe there's something I can do to bear somebody else's. Maybe I need to talk to somebody. Let's do that. Maybe I need to realize, too, that I need to... God's showing me where my faith is. God's showing me some of my motives. He's purging some dross here that I didn't know was there. Or maybe none of this. You're like, Pastor, I'm doing fine. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, I'm just getting ready for the next one. I'm glad the Lord bore the heaviest thing, right? The Lord Jesus Christ bore the heaviness of the heaviest thing. What is it, Atlas, the mythological guy is he myth he is mythological but is it part of greek mythology is atlas part of greek mythology I think so who's the guy over there at leisure world holding up the thing Anybody have been to leisure world you have a in law there? It. it's atlas right okay holding the world up and jesus is held up of course the weight of our sin being one with the father but put on a cross forsaken by his friends and the and uh, countrymen and misunderstood and nailed to a cross, suffering, dying. And in some way, the father turns his back. Oh, and all the sin of the world's on him in the atonement. And he bore that for us. I'm thankful he did so that I could belong to him.